This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Hello and welcome to another week of Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Mankey. His name is Larry Leathers. Uh, we are here in no small thanks to uh, the beautiful game network. Uh, thank you so much to BGN for everything you guys do to help us do what we do. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. You can check out their scarves for uh, pretty much any of your needs at roughneckscarves.com, R-U-F-F-neckscarves.com. Larry, how are you doing tonight, man? Oh man, I I don't know. I'm good. I'm here. <laughs> man, I feel um, like this, this recording this week just snuck up on me. Man, it snuck up on both of us. I know this is kind of behind the curtains here, but it was you know 30 seconds to airtime, and we're like still still getting stuff together on on both of our ends. So I'm glad we made it. It feels like we've been gone for a long time, but this is. It's only you know, been a week, which is weird because, yeah, I don't. Mm. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, so going to start this week out a little bit differently on uh, a little bit of a different tone than we normally do um, because there was some like actual serious news uh, involving USL and USL West. Um, so we're going to cover that first and we're going to put our serious caps on and then we will get to... Uh, the bruise and the fun and all that afterwards. But I think this is an important story to talk about. So we're going to kick it off with that. Um, Real Monarchs head coach Mark Briggs uh, has been suspended. I'm quoting the Salt Lake Tribune here. uh, Has been suspended after being charged with multiple misdemeanor counts of domestic violence and reportedly trying to persuade his accuser to stop talking to police and prosecutors about her allegations. Um, obviously this is a very, very serious situation and, uh, just hitting the basics here for anyone who didn't read. Um, there's a great article on it in the Salt Lake Tribune and several other places at this point, but, um, there were allegations of domestic violence between Briggs and his girlfriend at the time. Um, and there, according to the Salt Lake Tribune, was uh, $60,000 made available by a Real Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake um, front office member to relocate um, the girlfriend and their child out of the state of Utah. Um, and what is also being reported is that Briggs took that $60,000 and added the stipulation of you have to drop the charges and never pursue charges in the future. Um, about anything that that transpired there, which um, you know, connecting those dots, it's it's not too big of a leap to say that uh, MLS had their money tied into um, trying to silence a domestic violence uh, victim, and that's pretty bad um, to to put it mildly. So um, those are just kind of the highlights there, uh, or lowlights, the the facts, I guess I should say, on what's being reported. Um, so Larry, what do you think about this whole situation? And, you know, this, this is some heavy stuff. I saw this this week and I was, I was pretty disgusted over it. I mean, there's, 
there's no room for domestic abuse in any relationship, in my opinion. And to have a club kick back money to help pay off the victim in this case. Yeah. Oh, man, this is... I, somebody's going to have to investigate this further. I can see sanctions coming down on the Monarchs. Um, MLS... I feel like MLS has to be somewhat complicit in this because of the ownership structure. Um, yeah. So I don't know how, how punishments are going to be handed out, but I mean, punishments definitely need to come down on real salt Lake on real monarchs and somehow the league um, at some point. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't approve. This is not okay. This is not okay at all. Uh, the way I read it, and obviously I think it goes without saying we are staunchly against domestic violence uh, on all forms and, um, you know, strongly, strongly disagree with those actions. I think that goes without saying, but the the most controversial part of all this is that money. And, um, you know, maybe that $60,000 wasn't originally intended to silence the victim as much as move them out of state. But at what point are you paying $60,000 to keep your USL coach in town and relocating a woman and a child out of the state of Utah instead of firing the motherfucker? Like, if you're willing to drop 60 k to get that family out of the state, he should have been fired and it should have been done with a long time ago. Um, so I really, the only thing MLS has going for it in this case is that it was Salt Lake City and not... LA or New York or one of the higher profile markets, because I think this is a story where it can easily get forgotten and it needs to not be forgotten. RSL needs to have heads roll. If this reporting is accurate, if the front office provided $60,000 instead of firing your woman beating coach, allegedly. Um, yeah. So fuck RSL, honestly. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see some heads roll. That's my objection. We, we damn well better. I, I think there's going to be. I think this is going to pick up more traction as it continues and more details come out. Um, once we get names of who put up money and things like that, I mean, yeah, people people are going to lose jobs over this. People should lose jobs over this. Definitely, I think they should lose the whole club. Uh, I mean, not the city of Salt Lake City, but like right. they, need, they need new ownership or you know whoever was involved there and in giving that money allegedly again assuming all these reports are accurate which i assume they are coming from the salt lake tribune it's a reputable source um if all of this alleged money came from the front office instead of firing a coach you're going to relocate the girlfriend and son you know obviously if if you know he's proven innocent and this was a false accusation um that that obviously changes some things but it doesn't look great when you're trying to pay off someone who's accusing you of domestic violence. Yeah. How do you, how do you, okay. how do you get to multiple, multiple counts of, uh, of domestic abuse and, and hush money being involved and not be guilty? Like yeah. <laughs> somebody did something here and it's not great. Um, how would you feel about the Monarchs and or Real Salt Lake being suspended for a whole season from play? That, yeah, I, like I, I, I would be okay with it. <laughs> it. It wouldn't bother me if that's the way they, and you know, obviously it'd be shitty for the players and stuff involved. Right. Um, but like that, that's, that's the only way to punish front man, front office of RSL at the end of the day is either big fines or shut them down for a season. 
Well, we saw in the NBA, um, the Clippers owner, is it Donald Sterling? I think, I know it was Sterling was his last name, but I think it was Donald. Um, Maybe I just associate shitty guys with the name Donald at this point. But um, we saw when he had some allegations come out against him and and some very serious issues, the league forced him to sell the club. And um, with MLS being single entity structure, if the front office was providing money in this very inappropriate case. I don't think it would be unheard of for them to find new ownership for that Salt Lake team. Um, I don't want them to lose. I don't want the city to lose their team or anything like that. No, and like that, but they shouldn't lose the team over it. But you know, and it's funny you bring that up because um, we've got a case of it in the NFL right now too. The Carolina Panthers just, uh, Oh God, that's not okay. I apologize for that. A video started playing on a website I was looking at. Uh, <laughs> um, the Carolina Panthers owner, they have a new, new ownership group that was just unanimous, unanimously approved at these last meetings. And it was uh, because the previous owner decided to sell the team because he was facing out similar allegations. Yeah. You know, misconduct allegations. And he decided to handle it by getting rid of the team. Like that's, that's what he did. I don't think the league ordered him to do it, but he made the choice willingly yeah. to leave before there, that sort of stuff came down. Saw that writing on the wall. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, the statistics say that overwhelmingly false accusations are not a thing statistically. Uh, the Tribune is reporting this. I trust their reporting. Um, and so you know, if he's, he's already been charged, if he's found guilty, then, you know, that's it. But um, assuming all of this is how it seems, then we could see some pretty serious repercussions. And that's pretty much all I have to say on it. If you have anything else to say, I I don't want to stop you, but. No, no, no. Yeah, I think we covered it. Um, Kind of a crappy topic that you have to cover. But it needs, it needed to be talked about. It truly. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, crappy situation, I guess, is is better way to phrase it. I'm, yeah, we definitely want to talk about this stuff when it happens. I I don't want to see uh, you know every league turn into the NFL where they think that they know better than the police. But um, oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, when it's when it's stuff like this, it's it seems pretty clear cut. So anyway. On that note, um, let's talk some soccer. Let's talk some less serious stuff. Let's crack some drinks open uh, and have a good night. So, <laughs> San Antonio FC, um, not the result they wanted on the road at Reno, uh, falling two to one in that one. Um, I, it's kind of more of the same, right? Like a lot of chances being created a lot of good looks and they just can't capitalize on them um the lone goal from san antonio coming from omar gordon in the 47th minute if you haven't watched this one pause the podcast go find the replay uh because he boots in this corner kick in just the right place and beats um a a defender if you can even call him that and the goalkeeper (laughs) um and gets the goal off the corner kick it's pretty sweet to watch it, it was a hell of a goal there's no way no <laughs> way around that that was a hell of a goal I'm happy to see him scoring more that was always the biggest issue with Omar Gordon in the past was that he was phenomenal on the ball but he wasn't putting him in the back of the net so it's 
kind of exciting to see him able to score now, right? Like that's that's a positive change in 2018 that I hope to see going. I mean, it's it between his U.S. Open Cup showings and now stepping out back into the USL side of things, um, it certainly looks like Omar stepping up, and I'm happy to see him back on the field. I think he's. It seems like he's earned himself a role back as as the starter out there at this point. Yeah, I I would think so, man. Him and Escalante have been playing really well. Um, we'll talk about injuries and and some stuff I saw at training the other day in just a moment, but. Um, just finishing out this game, uh, Reno had two goals, one in the 39th, one in the 61st. Um, lots of yellow cards in this game, but from the San Antonio side, you have Jose Escalante with a handball, Pecco with a foul, Diego Restrepo with descent, and Cesar Elizondo with a foul. Uh, so four yellow cards dished out. That puts um, Darnell King, um, Ryan Felix, and Pekka on accumulation warning. So if any of those three get a yellow card in USL play, they will miss the next match after that and be fined $200. So, Now, did yeah. you happen to see Jonathan Check's tweet today about Pekka's, Pekka's foul situation? I didn't. That he had actually gone earlier in this season, gone for a five-game stretch, and he shouldn't actually be at the accumulation limit there, and he should actually have one more card to give. That's right. He mentioned that to me the other day. Um, Jonathan Chick of 210soccer.com at CheckJFooty on Twitter. Go follow him if you're not already. Um, yeah, I'm looking. I have the disciplinary report in my inbox here. And, and that, that's what it was today. Is It was a, it was a tag on – he tagged onto the tweet about the discipline, disciplinary report for the week, uh, mentioning that he had had that five-game stretch. And one of those cards should actually not exist. Well, that's worth looking at for sure. I'm sure, uh, you know, the SAFC side of things, they'll keep track of that. And if that's the case, they'll, they'll get it figured out. It could have been just a mistake on the league's part to include him there. Uh, or it could be some wacky retroactive yellow card or, you know, some, some craziness that keeps him from getting it. So, but yeah, that would be great if he dropped down to three instead of four, as far as the yeah. count goes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like Ryan Felix going out would be pretty rough. I feel like he's been the most consistent center back this year um, out of the rotation that we've seen. And uh, obviously everyone knows my feelings on Darnell King this year. I think he's been one of the best Ooh. players that the club's ever had. So uh, Just give the man the ball. Yeah, man. What a beast. He <laughs> like, makes some stuff happen there. Yeah, so hopefully that's not an issue. Um, I'm looking at the disciplinary report, and I saw Jack McInerney's name on there from Indy 11. He basically <laughs> punched a guy upside the head and got a yellow card for it, I think. Zlatan, like, love tapped somebody and got a red card the other day. So yeah. solid consistency there from professional referee organization. <laughs> um, but I uh, I was able to go to... Uh, SAFC training. Jonathan was actually there that day. Uh, we went on Wednesday and chatted with a couple of the players and Coach Powell and, and some of the staff. And there's a strong belief in the fact that the club is creating chances. And statistically, they're creating a lot of chances. So it's coming down to just how to finish those and how to convert those into goals. Um, which obviously is the hardest thing to do in soccer, right, is to actually score the goal. Um, but it, it's – the vibe at, at training was kind of a weird mix of 
optimism because they were creating the chances. And also it felt like there was a lot of, um, you know, like they were fired up, like they, they are not content with draws and losses and, and middle of the table. So um, I won't, uh, I won't drop names just because I don't think I need to, but um, there were, you know, a player that was a little fired up at a coach, which is something we don't necessarily see all the time. And then a player that got a little defensive with one of the questions I asked, and that was pretty rare. And, uh, you know, it, it was interesting to see that kind of passion. And, and I think it's good from the fan side of things to see a team, you know, ready to go out and compete and, and not complacent with how they're doing. I mean, well, I'm going to say, hasn't this always been the problem? We've, we've never lacked on making chances. I feel like that's always been something we've been very good at doing, but we never seem to be able to capitalize on them. And I don't know what we need to change to make that happen. Um, obviously if they're all fired up, that's great. They need to be, they should not be content with draws and, you know, one point here and losses and, and everything else. They need wins. Yeah. I, I said earlier in the season, you know, the whole panic thing and when it's time to panic. And I said, talk to me in June or July. And we're, when this podcast comes out, it'll be June 1st. Yeah. I'm not exactly oh, panicked man. yet, but I'm definitely, you've got my attention. Like we need to start getting some wins here, start moving ourselves up the table because the middle of the table is getting awfully crowded and messy. And we need to separate ourselves from that in the next month or two. We yeah. really do. So something's got to give. We got to find a way to put that ball in the goal and make those chances count for something. Yeah. Um, I put an article up on 210soccer.com this week and I actually copied it over to calledoffside.com for when that goes live. But um, one of the things that in that article, I talk about three adjustments we might see going forward. So you can check that out at 210soccer.com if you want. Um, But one of the things that I asked Coach Powell on Wednesday was, you know, how do you get the team to convert those chances? And one of the things he said was uh, you just have to keep encouraging and giving the strikers confidence all the time, um, as well as continue to provide the chances for them to capitalize on. So he really preached, uh, you know, keeping the strikers positive and confident and and mentally strong and um, talking with players in previous seasons, that is definitely a component of being a professional athlete is believing that you can actually do the damn thing. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not panicking. It's a very long season. I don't think anyone's panicking at the club. Um, but there's also a lot of uh, not being happy with where they're at either. So so I, I hate to, to poach from your article here and not push people that direction. But no, I, I want to talk about one thing in particular that I saw in there because I, I breezed through it earlier. Um, you mentioned three center backs. Yeah. And changing over to a three, three center back situation. I think it's time we make that change. I think we need to start moving, make that finally make that move to three in the back. And I think it's time to pair with that. I think it's time to put two forwards up front. We need two strikers up front. It's it, we need to put more emphasis on it. It's time to, to time to have more than just one guy up there trying to make things happen. So yeah, I don't know how you feel about that in particular and putting two, two attackers up there, but yeah, I I could see it for sure. Um, I I think the way that the formation plays out in games anyway, you're almost playing a three center back set already. Um, 
So in the article, I kind of talk about it's a little far-fetched, but I could see that working in their favor where that way you can push Cochran and King up to be, uh, you know, wingbacks or midfielders or however you want to line them up um, and just kind of give them more attacking freedom because we've seen it from King and, and we've seen it from Cochran in previous seasons and uh, at flashes this season too. Um, so yeah, I, I could totally see a formation change um, at least a little bit, maybe not a different 11 so much, but just kind of how things line up a little bit. I could see. I mean, and you're, you're right. We do do a lot of transitions there where we have somebody pull forward Cochran or King. We've seen a lot of that coming up, um, to play on the offensive side of things. Um, but I would not be opposed to seeing our lineups shake out, you know, with a three, two, three, two, instead of the four one four one that we typically see week to week and actually yeah. see two guys assigned to the front. Yeah. Like, I'd be okay with that. I think the trouble is who are the two guys? Um, because you've got Ever Guzman is getting healthy, but he's not 100%. I think Bruce has proved to be pretty physical and pretty capable. Um, but as far as the healthy guys, it seems like it might be Seth as that, second or maybe Sonny or I'm just or maybe Elizondo I guess but he's just not physical enough he always gets beat when you get into those crowded spaces inside the box so um, this is something I should have put in that article but it's you know about that time where we're probably gonna see a couple more signings (laughs) I would guess Uh, it seems like June July August every year there's you know a signing or two here there so uh, maybe that'll fix it, but I mean, yeah. I think you you definitely look at it and you see you see um, Alex Bruce up there for one. Yeah, um, I think Presley could fill that role if he when he's healthy. Guzman, um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Ethan Bryan up there. I know he's not big, but I think that'd be an interesting pairing if you put Bruce yeah. and, and Bryan up there together. Um, and if you really want some size, well, then push Gordon on up there. Give him a shot at it at least. I mean, yeah. he's, he's making good goal-scoring opportunities these last few games between the U.S. Open Cup and the USL thing side of things. So, I mean, maybe give him a chance, push him up a little bit fire, higher on the field. And yeah. See what, he can, see what he can do there. It's worth a shot, right? <laughs> like, who knows? Um, I'm leaving out Kyle Murphy too, but I, I, yeah, I still don't know what we've got with Kyle Murphy in the big scheme of things. You know, we only saw a little bit of him so far. Yeah. I think based on what we saw in training and what we've seen in previous weeks, I think Guzman, Presley, and Murphy are probably all still recovering, at least. We only get to see a small part of training, so I won't know right. for sure until Saturday. But I don't think the injury report's going to look drastically different uh, on Saturday, as far as I know. Um, yeah, I... Like I said, they're, they're creating chances, and that's half the battle. And so I don't think we're going to see a huge change, but that's one that I think is plausible um, without changing a ton of stuff. Um, the other two, just for anyone who is curious, uh, they are favoring the right side significantly. Um, and I think if you get the left side involved more, you're going to open up the field a little bit more. Um, and one thing that Greg Cochran talked about, the third thing that I, I put in my article is get the central midfield more involved. Um, so basically, <laughs> I guess those two could probably be combined and just say, you know, spread the ball out a little bit. Um, 
because you've got Mikey Lopez and, you know, Rafa is still, still doing really solidly. So you've got some talent there in the center mid and, and it's being underutilized, I think so far. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got next. That's my little spiel. We got a game this Saturday. Do we? We do. (laughs) Against Portland Timbers too. Yeah. Holy crap. What a turnaround this year. Um, We, we heard from our friends over with play the kids at the end of last year that um, the Portland organization was not happy with how their USL side was doing and they wanted to be more competitive this year um, and mission accomplished so far because Portland is currently third in the Western conference with 23 points um, hanging, hanging right up there. Salt Lake city's in first with 28 points. Um, and then there's a little drop between Phoenix with 24, but then Portland is right there with 23. So um, they are on a three-game win streak, uh, at least five games unbeaten. That's as far as this page has. Um, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're doing work at, especially at home. They're they're four one and zero at home, but I mean three two and two on the road. So a little bit more toss up on the road. But yeah, these guys are they're dangerous. They're not the T two from last year by any means. Yeah. I mean, hell, what they two weeks ago, I think it was, they put up seven goals on Galaxy 2. Yeah, seven Jesus. to three match. <laughs> <laughs> they beat Salt Lake City last Saturday, one to nil. Um, and I mean, for, yeah. for those that don't know, yeah, Monarchs are top of the table right now in the West. So yeah. we'll see if that lasts through all the controversy. So yeah, that's that could be an issue too. Um, so yeah, I I think this is going to be a really tough stretch for San Antonio, um, and we said it last week too before the Reno loss. But um, you've got third place uh, Portland, and then you've got Dallas on Wednesday, uh, who's killing it in MLS West. So I, I don't know what you do here other than just try to weather the storm. This is like a weird situation for me where I would actually be okay with getting a draw at home against Portland. Um, I, I don't say that often, but they are genuinely the quality of team where that's something that you can be proud of is, is getting a draw. So um, what do you expect from San Antonio in this Portland game? I, we just got done talking about how the team needs to not be content with draws and I'd be content <laughs> with a draw as well here. Um, but that's because I, it, we talked about this a little bit last week. I'm all in on the U S open cup. So I think we need to be ready and willing to march out a full, full strength lineup on Wednesday this coming week. So if we have to rest a few people, I'm okay with that. Let's see. What yeah. we got. I mean, we've we're marching out Mike Seth at the top of the lineup the last few games. Like we're doing, we're doing some, some less conventional things that we haven't necessarily seen in the past with the team right now, lineup wise, hopefully by next week, you know, obviously you went to training this week and it didn't look like some of those guys were ready yet that are on the injury report. Hopefully yeah. by next Wednesday, maybe one or two of those guys is ready to go. Cause that would certainly make a huge difference if we could uh, count on some of that. Some of those guys have been getting a lot of rest to be ready to face Dallas and what will hopefully be a full strength Dallas team. I want to see, see the real thing. Yeah, I 
I think they're at the point where they can't give up points in USL play to sacrifice for the Open Cup. Like, I think if they were at a different point on the table, maybe you rest some guys against Portland. But I think they're going to be as full strength as possible uh, for both of those games. Uh, Obviously, there's just player rotation issues. You can't play in San Antonio in June uh four days apart and and be 100 percent healthy it's hot as hell <laughs> and um so i think any rotation we see other than maybe the goalkeeper i think would be just the normal rest um i meant to ask specifically i, I honestly just forgot but i assume that um matt cardoni is going to get the starts for the open cup um hmm. either way i you know, I don't know that for sure. We don't have a ton of sample size for that. We did see Josh Ford playing against Houston, so maybe uh, Restrepo comes in for this round against Dallas. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I think we talked about that last week, though, so I won't rehash it. I mean, the only thing that gives me comfort here with the whole Dallas thing coming on is that they do have a game this Saturday as well. Zlatan comes to Dallas this weekend on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're going to be <laughs> – they're going to have their hands full this weekend too. <laughs> yeah, um, you can't sleep on Zlatan, and, and the Galaxy have been pretty bad ever since his first his debut game. They killed it, and then after that, they've kind of stagnated. So maybe this is the week where LA comes back and hits it hard, or you know something. But we we sure could use some help from from that side for once. Yeah, I mean they're they're. They're essentially sitting in the same boat we are. They have a game this Saturday against, you know, against Latan. They have the Open Cup game on Wednesday. They have a game the following Saturday against the Impact. Yeah. They're, they're dealing with the same type of scheduling issues we are, except they're a little bit better off on the table in the MLS side of things. So. Oh, is it LAFC? Yeah. White Fire says it's LAFC, not LA Galaxy. My bad. Nope, LAFC. My bad. I thought it was Galaxy. Did I screw this up? Yeah, it's LAFC. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I thought it was Galaxy. Oh, man. Uh, they played them yesterday. They played Galaxy yesterday. Oh, I'm That's looking. Oh, I'm misreading this. There we go. Well, aggressively <laughs> mediocre once again, screwing up your soccer news. Sweet just <laughs> everything we said, just apply it to Vela instead of uh, Zlatan. And we'll be good. <laughs> um, either uh, way, scheduling-wise – they are playing the same amount of games we are right now leading into this. So they're, they're going to be a little bit tired too. Yeah, that's, and we're hoping to connect with um, some, some people who know it a little bit better than we do with the Dallas soccer show. We're hoping to connect with them for hopefully a little bonus episode of the podcast um, a little later this week. So hopefully that'll work out and we can get that out. Um, But I'm excited. Um, do you want to talk any about the U.S. Open Cup? I'm excited. You better win. <laughs> That's pretty much all. I FC have. Dallas is going to be here in San Antonio. We we need to put out a show. Man, it's going to be so much fun. Um, going to be sitting next to you for that game again. We already have That's our right. tickets, so right. pretty excited about that. I'll try to drink a few less beers this time. <laughs> few fewer beers this time. Um, I mean. I- it's dollar dollar beer night again. Oh, damn it! Don't. Do it. <laughs> it seems to be the the thing that uh, SAFC is doing now is these U.S. Open Cup games. They're throwing them dollar beer nights. So 
try and draw some crowds out. I don't necessarily know that they needed to do that for when we're playing FC Dallas. I'm expecting yeah. this one to be a busy game, you know, seating wise and, and attendance wise. Yeah. Um, White Fire just asked if a sellout's more important than a win. Ooh. For this, I'm assuming for you're talking for the FC Dallas game. Um, no, I mean this isn't the one that's getting national media attention. If we get a few more games into the U.S. Open Cup, and we're hosting, then hell yeah, we need to sell it out. We're going to be on national media and yeah, main channel at ESPN. But right now, you got to win. Keep going. Yeah. I I don't think that. Um playing an MLS team moves the needle any because all of the third round winners play an MLS team. Um, but if San Antonio beats FC Dallas, then, you know, maybe you start going on a run like Cincinnati had last year and uh, start catching the eyes of ESPN. And especially now that ESPN has some skin in the game with the USL contract, they're going to be looking for stories like that now that they have USL on ESPN plus. So um, I don't think a sellout is super important for a club like SAFC where they've been around for three years um, so far, but uh, like it's not important yet. But yeah, if they win and then host the next round, then it better be a full stadium Wednesday or not. You know, I'm looking, let's see, what's, I'm looking at the Ticketmaster website right now trying to figure out there's probably for nah, probably 500 ish tickets left for sale yeah. for the FC Dallas game right now, which for a midweek game, I know we're playing FC Dallas, but that's pretty good right now. That's better. I'm than assuming some of go. One. Yeah, I'm assuming some of those will go during the week here, leading up to it. We still got a week worth of sales to go before we we get to the game. So there's also usually a lot of walk up crowd too, or a lot of people who decide Wednesday afternoon that they are going to do it. So yeah, that could already be a sell up. Um, yeah, that, that would be cool. Um, I, like I said earlier, I expect to see pretty much a full strength lineup against Dallas. I do expect them to put everybody out there for better or worse. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. Do you first off with Portland? Um, what is your score prediction? One, one. It's a draw. That's yeah. Um, Uh, I should have thought of this before I asked you. I, I'm going to go O two to Portland. Oh. I know. First loss. I feel bad. I feel so bad doing that, man. I want to be wrong. I want to make that clear that I want to be wrong on that. God, that feel that hurts. Hurts right here, making that call. But uh, Portland's really good this year. Um. What about the Open Cup game? What's your prediction for that? 7-0 San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think if, you know, FC Dallas is good, but there's a chance that they bring a weakened squad. There's a chance that they're tired from playing LAFC. There's a lot of variables there, and they usually take the Open Cup pretty seriously, but you never know. Um, I'll, I'll predict 1-1. Um, and San Antonio wins on PKs. I'll take the win in, in the midweek. Okay, you're going the same exact thing I was going to go with. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to PKs. We're going to do it again. It'll make it easier for me to remember in the article. Um, yeah, I, 
I want to believe that. I do. I, I, you know, last time San Antonio FC played an MLS team in the Open Cup, it was a 4-0 loss to Houston. And I don't want to see that again. And I think this team is a lot better than that team was. So that that's my problem is if this isn't in my head, if this doesn't like stay even and go to PKs, then it's just a blowout and we got our asses handed to us. It's one where I don't think we're going to go in there and just blow out Dallas or yeah, even necessarily win in regulation. Yeah. God, I feel so bad predicting losses. I hate doing that. But, like, I feel like if we only predict wins, then we might as well not do it. Like, uh, well, whatever. That's that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> anyway, um, last thing on San Antonio, we did have a Twitter comment from Whitefire uh, at WhitePhoenix52. Says MLS looking for new clubs to spend big money on players. Spurs Sports Entertainment giving an impression they want to compete without big signings. Missing piece, maybe? Question mark. Um, so, do you think that SAFC is holding off on some of those big signings? Do you think they're pretty on par with the rest of USL? And and how important do you think that is? Well, I'm. I'm- guessing this is really in reference to if we were to make the jump to MLS. Am I understanding that right? Like we wouldn't spend the, the big money? Oh, yeah. Maybe that's what he means. Is like this- that's the missing piece as to why we're not getting – well, nothing's for sure yet why we're ne- not necessarily front runners for an MLS team at the, mo- at the moment. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty clear why San Antonio is not currently in MLS discussions and – about 90 miles to the north um yeah let's as far as the usl side of thing goes uh they are they don't release budgets but they're probably spending uh, towards the top of usl west i would guess um they they have some very quality players on that team um and as far as the mls money goes i don't know I mean, the Spurs paid LaMarcus Aldridge. They're going to pay Kawhi Leonard if he will take their money. Um, well, isn't so, the Kawhi – if they pay Kawhi, isn't the contract like $200 million or something yeah. like that because it's max? It's super max, yeah. yeah super max contract. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's more than an entire MLS team's roster. <laughs> like, it's uh, – I shoot, I did the math last year or two years ago, and – LaMarcus Aldridge alone was making more than the entire roster of, I want to say it was Houston or Dallas, or I compared it to one of the MLS teams. So SSNE is used to paying big money. Um, I, I would imagine they would not be on the uh, FC Dallas Houston side of the spectrum as far as spending. I'd imagine it'd be closer to Atlanta, LAFC, kind of those those big money probably going after Chicharito if he's available and some of the other Mexican stars to to try and draw that fan base uh to the stadium I, you know it's I think the bigger thing to think about with SSNE is that you're not necessarily going to go out and see those big splash signings you're going to see them if SAFC was to stick with the SSNE model and what works for the Spurs, you're going to see us recruit somebody that we've never heard of that's <laughs> right. going to be the future superstar and dominate the league, and we're going to pay right. him out the ass. We're not yeah. going to go out and sign – it'd be like going out and signing Drogba in his prime. You're not going to see that happen. Like, that's, yeah. that's not what SSNE is going to do. They're going to go and find the next big upcoming thing and, you know, pay him mediocre for the first year or two, see what they've got, and then when he – 
turns out to be a stud, pay him out the ass. Just give him yeah. everything he wants. Could be. If if San Antonio got MLS, I could see the Spurs getting like one kind of aged um, Mexican national team star just to get the name recognition and get that fan base going. Um, Cause there's a lot more El Tree fans in San Antonio than there are us men's national team fans. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, someone from there does a lot more for your needle than Michael Bradley or something like that. So um, yeah, I, I could see them dropping money, but I don't think that's what's keeping them from getting to MLS. I think um, the Austin stuff needs to get settled. The Columbus and Austin stuff needs to get settled. Um, and then San Antonio can start those discussions again, because I do think that there is a path where Austin and San Antonio both have MLS. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't think it's spending that's holding them back. I think it's 100% just the, uh, process going on in Austin and Columbus right now. Right. Which is our next topic. Um, (laughs) this is going to be a horribly timed podcast because while you're listening to this, um, news has probably already come out that we're not able to cover tonight (laughs) on (laughs) Thursday night. So unfortunately, uh, maybe we'll do a special edition with that and with the FC Dallas guys and and make a whole second episode for this week or something because, um, the, uh, Precourt Sports Ventures released renderings for the McCalla site uh, of what a stadium would look like there. It's sexy, man. Wait, like, what? Oh, I love it, man. Oh, it, it looks like a piece of shit. It looks like IKEA furniture, but I love it. <laughs> it's it's it doesn't scream Austin at all to me. Austin has so much culture and like colors and things, and it's this brown, gray, and white yeah. drab piece of shit. Like I, you know. <laughs> I want to make it clear that I'm not against more soccer in South Texas, even if it means in Austin. Obviously, I'd prefer San Antonio to get an MLS team. Austin probably is going to get one, and I'm not going to fight that. But this stadium looks like hell. I I agree with you on the color. I see that. And I see why people wouldn't like the actual design. It does kind of look like furniture. Like, uh, you know, it's very... Just the way it's built, it reminds me of like some coffee tables and stuff, but I really like it. I genuinely like it in a non-ironic way. I could see the color thing. I, I could definitely see getting some brighter colors in there and, and something a little more interesting. The I, I know it's just a rendering. It's not going to be like this exactly, but the ATX, the white lettering on the dark background with the blocks, it just reminds me of the A&M logo a lot. Um, so yeah. I would hope that that's modified, <laughs> but the actual bones of it, where it's designed with the open corners to allow the breeze coming through the, uh, coverings to keep shade there and push the sound and the wind and everything. Um, it, it fits in that spot nicely. And, and the open side of it on the Northwest, I think it was, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but I think it was the Northwest gate has a huge open like courtyard area leading up to it it just Mm -hmm. feels very park like which was what they said they wanted so uh i dig it man i i'm not saying it's perfect um but i dig it i'm not on board (laughs) i do like they need to redesign this whole thing this thing looks god awful (laughs) 
I know for PR reasons, you can't keep the yellow and black. I get that. But I hope they don't use the green that's been in all of the MLS to ATX badges and um, in the renderings too, just because when I think of green in MLS, I think of uh, Portland and Seattle already. And I think it would be cool for Austin to have something a little bit different. I don't know what that is. Like it can't be orange because that's, you know, Houston, but something different. I don't know. I don't know what that would be, but that's not my job to figure it out. I'm, I'm just here to, to the, criticize, I guess. The more I stare at this, the more I stare at this rendering of the stadium, I'm looking at the big sky shot where they're looking kind of from overhead a little bit. It's, it's so very industrial. Like it's very industrial looking, which is appropriate for a toxic waste dump. It's an industrial oh, come area. Come on, come um, on. <laughs> no, it's, it's bad. It's so bad. I like it, man. Not we okay. This. Um, Josh, oh. Josh Jackson uh, from the Assist podcast, by the way, which is another podcast you should check out if you're into the Austin stuff. Um, he says that he's heard the green is simply a placeholder color. So that would be nice. Again, I don't know what's better. Honestly, the, the yellow and black would be amazing, but I think you're going to have a hard time if you keep that. Um, Josh says, uh, similar to the A&M, like ATX on the coffee table stadium. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, renderings never end up looking exactly like the finished product. I know. It's just, I, <laughs> we'll see. Like, I, I, oh man, I think of like the identity of Austin and like what everything about it. And I'm just like, this place needs to be that you need to bring in mural painters and paint it all sorts of colors everywhere and make it. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, this is so drab and understated and I don't, mm, I don't know. It's like, it's very industrial. It is. It's an industrial looking stadium. It's, I just don't see how that fits into to the Austin thing. This is an Austin, but I'm wearing a Levo Art t-shirt right now who's an artist out of Miami. He's See? the brother of the Dan Levitard show and like super colorful and just crazy and like that's the kind of thing you need on a modern stadium. That would be amazing. So hopefully they can get at least one wall or something like that. And Josh just mentioned the thing that I was going to bring up too is um there needs to be a queso fountain. Well, uh, considering that's all Precourt knows about Austin is queso <laughs> and loving queso. So hey, he had his that, bachelor party here. Let's be cool. Mm. Um, now he, uh, or not he, but I've, I've seen a lot of people tagging uh, Torchy's Tacos to bring in a queso fountain yeah. of some sorts. I'd be on board with that personally. But People yeah. aren't thinking this through. The queso fountain won't work. You can I mean, never have enough queso. Even if it doesn't work, there's some things that are worth just trying, right? It's chunky. It's not like a chocolate fountain where it's melted and smooth. It's mm-hmm. got chunks in it. But if you keep it hot enough, it'll be like, you know, dangerous and tasty all at the same time. One person <laughs> is going to double dip and it's all going to go to hell. Boss out the batch. That's the end That's of it right true. there. <laughs> pack it up we're done here (laughs) um yeah so uh, (laughs) what's wrong with the queso fountain a bird shit in it (laughs) oh yeah that's true um i'm trying to pull up the article here oh that's right i we have it in our text 
Um, Kevin Lytle wrote an article for the Austin American Statesman that is definitely worth you taking a look at um, if you're listening to this before the announcements come on Friday. This is such an awful timing on our part because um, there are going to be announcements tomorrow on Friday if you're listening to this on Friday, um, both expected from PSV who will give more details about the stadium and about the site and everything they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, They will deliver, they're expected to deliver their specific details there. Um, And we'll also get some uh, feedback from the city on what they found about that site and, and how viable that site is as a stadium site. So um, Friday is a big day for all of this. It's really um, the kickoff to probably a lot of news that we're going to get here because after that, you've got the 12th and the 26th and the 14th and the 28th where things are also happening. Um, and after the 28th, the council, city council is on break until August 9th. So I would guess that we're probably going to have a final answer on if on the Austin side of things, everything is kosher before that June 28th break or June 29th break. Um, so yeah, it's gonna, gonna be a wild ride. Yeah. We're going to hear a lot in the next 30 days or so, but this is what so, we've been building towards. We kept saying June 1st and looky, looky, yeah. June 1st is rolling around and everything's coming all at once. Yeah. I and, thought it would be a little bit more spaced out than what it sounds like it's going to be. Yeah. sounds like Fridays. I'm going to, I'm going to get as much sleep as I can tonight. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, you know, if you're looking for a website to uh, keep track of all this, on Monday, June 4th, if everything goes to plan, you could visit calledoffside.com and there might be some cool stuff on there. So uh, feel free to check that out, calledoffside.com. Wink, wink, hashtag advertisement, hashtag big money. Oh man. So yeah, anything else on Austin that we can talk about? It sucks that like everything's going to be outdated in like 12 hours. So podcast life, hashtag podcast life. Can we like, man, my computer's fighting us tonight. (laughs) It's like, let's pop up all the windows notifications. So they're on the podcast this week. Let's play videos on the website. You're looking at. That's weird. I'm not getting any windows notifications. (laughs) (laughs) um i mean you can heat your house with your laptop currently though right that is true i cannot wait for wwdc next week sounds like a 747 taking off over there that's not the fan that's that's the laptop i'm surprised you can't hear it right now i'm gonna be honest um the only other things we had to uh talk about this week i think um we're going to talk hashtag more beer for Kyle. Yeah, that's never a good idea. Dollar beer night, man. Why are dollar beer nights always the nights where I have fan tickets as opposed to... That's, isn't that what you want? Because then you're not stuck up in the... I mean, I mean, you have to sit next to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure I embarrassed the hell out of my wife last week yelling. Well, you didn't embarrass uh, out of me. I mean, I do this damn podcast <laughs> with you every week. It can't get any worse than this. So, I mean... I know what I've got myself into here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. national team, men's national team. Um, it, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, if you have more to say about it, but the big thing we we're going to say is just that it was nice to see the young guys play. Yeah. 
be the future play. Josh Sargent looks good. Yeah, man. The the great ginger hope there. <laughs> um, he, you know, there's a lot of talent there. And this is the thing that will excite me until these games start mattering again is just, you know, keep chugging out these young rosters and I'll keep watching. So I know the, the next few friendly games have a little bit more of a mixed roster from senior players we've seen before and young hopefuls, but yeah, you know, we, we need to see those mixes too. It's good to see those guys getting chances though. The youth is our future here and it, the future looks bright looking at it right now. Yeah, it does. Yeah. There's some really solid players that, you know, I, Obviously, after Qatar, it, it looks like it's going to be the expanded World Cup field. And mm-hmm. if you can't make the top, what is it, 48 teams or something like that that are going to be in it, yeah, you, you really don't deserve to be there. But um, it, hopefully we make Qatar. It sure looks like we'll make Qatar if this roster turns out anywhere close to where we think it'll be. So um, the only other thing was a minor announcement out of Cincinnati. Um, I guess they are partnering with something i don't know something's happening in cincinnati so anyway that's it for the night so uh anything (laughs) (laughs) um yeah fc cincinnati is going mls just like we all predicted moving down a division (laughs) yeah god those fucking promoted (laughs) shirts f-o-h bro (laughs) like i don't want to like summon tinfoil ted or be one of those guys but you're not being promoted, my dude. Like not. you're selling your club to MLS, um, which is great. Good for those guys. Good for that ownership. Good for that city. Uh, but fuck out of here with your promoted shirts. Like win a playoff game, bro, <laughs> and and then you can wear some promoted shirts. Um, anyway, they will be joining MLS in 2019, um, probably. Uh, not probably, definitely going to be in the Eastern Conference. I would think it. Yep, it'd be really uh, weird for them to be in the West. And and they're they're, they're still going to be playing at Nippert. Yeah. Um, the new stadiums to come down the line. I don't know what year they're planning on having that finished in a few years. I'd assume. Um, speaking of stadiums, we got one other thing we didn't have on our list: Louisville. Oh yeah, they're, they're... not going to be playing in a piece of shit baseball stadium anymore. <laughs> they got they got city funding to build a new stadium out there in Louisville. So congratulations to them. Thanks for getting rid of that piece of shit baseball field. <laughs> and that's actually significant for, oh, another thing I didn't put on the list. That's significant for the San Antonio and Austin USL teams because when they shift to the central division, they're probably going to be playing at Louisville at least once a year. So um, one less base- baseball field to play on, hopefully. Um, but speaking of the Austin um, USL team, uh, Kevin Lytle had another article where he caught up with the ownership group for the Austin USL team and they gave him a hard time about phrasing it as if they take the field in 2019 like it's going it's definitely happening in 2019 um, so that's the thing San Antonio will be playing Austin for at least one season in 2019 um, we'll see if they stick around after that or you know what happens with all of that but I just thought it was interesting that they got mad at Kevin Lytle for phrasing it as if they're going to play when they haven't tweeted from their account since last October and there's no public contact information or no information about it at all. So, well, I mean, if they're playing next year and they pull 
they kind of pull what SAFC did, then they should start rolling out announcements in January, December, January time, I'm, I'm assuming. So information will come fast and furious after that to get them up and ready for next year. I could be imagining this, but I think in the Lytle article, it said that they're looking to start announcing staff and hiring staff this summer. There you go. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Part of the reason we wanted to talk about that Tampa thing is uh, – that the statement that they released was um, very USL forward. It was basically, here, I'll just read it real quick. This is a statement from um, Rowdy's chairman and CEO, Bill Edwards. Um, bro, you're supposed to be blocked. How are you still talking? Um, this statement was, on behalf of the Tampa Bay Rowdies organization, I wish to congratulate FC Cincinnati on their acceptance into MLS. We wish them the best of luck in this new chapter as they've always been a great competitor both on and off the field. We know that they will represent the United Soccer League well. The Rowdies will continue to be a model sports franchise and elevate soccer in North America. We're extremely excited about the direction USL has been going in since we joined the league in 2017 and are looking forward to the continued growth of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, Come on, you Rowdies. Um, the interesting thing about that statement is that Tampa was pushing for MLS not too long ago, and now it sounds like they are content with USL, um, which I think is a good thing. So, um, you know, if you have Tampa and the solid ownership there, if you have, um, you know, USL Chicago, you have San Antonio, you have some of these really strong ownerships in USL, it's building it into being a really solid league, right? Like, is that totally off base for me to think no and we're usl if we don't make mls i'm not i'm gonna be i'm gonna be happy with being in usl it's a competitive league like this is there shouldn't be any teams that are upset about being where they're at in the usl right now it's a great league to be in it might be better than mls i don't know (laughs) in the big scheme of things without having to deal with MLS owning every team and everything else and giving up that sort of control. Like it, yeah. being in USL is a good place to be. I think there's definitely uh, benefits to it, owning your club and having a little more independence and all that. Um, I don't want USL to start fighting MLS like NASL did a couple of years ago, but right. um, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as it was three or four or five years ago. It's a really competitive league that is becoming entertaining to watch. So Hopefully it stays on the upswing and hopefully some of these owners who came in with really high MLS aspirations are, uh, you know, content with USL and want to build this league. So that's pretty much it. So anything else you want to talk about tonight? I think that's it. I can't believe I did that. If you're listening to the podcast, you won't know what I'm talking about right now, but uh, join us on Periscope at 9pm on Thursdays. Um, thank you again so much to Roughneck Scarves for sponsoring our podcast. Uh, Roughneck Scarves, they are the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. That's R-U-F-F, neckscarves.com. Um, thank you, Larry. Thank you, everybody, for watching. It was fun. Keep your eyes out. There might be a second episode coming here this weekend. 
maybe Tuesday, maybe Monday, Tuesday, something like that. Between the Austin stuff and the Dallas uh, game that's coming up for San Antonio, there's going to be a lot of content. So we will probably see you again soon. Um, But definitely check us out at 9 p.m. on Thursdays on Twitter. And we'll see you then. Have a good week, everybody.